Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Folks, welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. As cliched as it may sound, it's the, per- the person in the studio today is extremely special uh, for the following reasons. Number one, the notion of life coming full circle. So the guest that I'm going to introduce you folks to uh, is someone I've known for decades, hails from the same cu- country. And when you reconnect with a person uh, several decades later, two things happen. You realize if you've got a kindred connection, it's always there, but you also realize how much you've evolved and grown and how life is taking you uh, down a certain journey. The second reason why this is exceptionally unique and sentimental is I believe the premise of this show. The reason why the Anthony Gordon show was launched is really because I felt very strongly that there are millions of folks out there that are that are drinking the Kool-Aid, embracing sort of the party line of what proverbial pop culture is imparting and sadly there are millions of people leading lives of quiet desperation a lot of people are unhappy confused so perforce it must mean that a lot of the so-called wisdom or the the lessons that are being parted are not really borne out uh, by truism and they're not really necessarily that authentic and so we try and question some of those things and at the end of the day uh, try and arm people with the tools to have a successful, fulfilled, and meaningful life. And so Errol Gerson was born South Africa, uh, like myself. He left in about uh, 1966, uh, arrived in the U.S. Um, I'm going to just touch on some salient points because I think uh, he's such a person of substance that I, it's almost belittling by going through the form undergraduate USC uh, MBA today um, probably one of the one of the professors has more longevity <laughs> than anyone that I know just shy of 50 years as a uh, professor at art center uh, I'll give you one of the leading institutions um, in design which Errol is uh, going to talk about but Errol Firstly, welcome. And secondly, I think the comment that I made as we're walking to the studio, uh, I think stands and sits with me. And that is, I look at a guy like you, and I see a philosopher. I see a person who is in sort of the academic world, close to five decades. But instead of teaching people uh, how to get high marks or how 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 to uh, you know necessarily make a you know, make a magic mousetrap, I think you're giving people the most important things, and that is the tools that we all need in our tool books to live a meaningful and successful life. Would you say that there's uh, uh, there's some truth to that? Anthony, if I were able to accomplish what you have just said, that would, to me, would be the greatest gift of all of my 50 years of teaching. Because at the end of the day, 
What I really want the kids to do is to understand that what they've been sold is something called entitlement. Yep. And entitlement is a perversion of reality because at the end of the day, I've read a lot of books as you have, and I've never read one that said Errol Gerson is entitled to live a good life. Yep. Errol Gerson is entitled to good health or Errol Gerson is entitled to be happy. It's amazing. And the reason why I'm smiling is because if, if I literally had scripted the way I wanted this first exchange, <laughs> I, I would have given you that script. And I'll tell you why is because the role that I play, I think you know this. I think you know me, uh, at a distance. And I, you know, I think you know who my heart and soul as well is that I, I, I'd be sort of assumed the role of a, a life coach as a, as a, as a, as a mentor to a bunch of people in the different roles that I play. And when people are down and out, often when one drills down and tries to ascertain the reason is because Anthony, I don't understand. I didn't get into that school or this relationship didn't work out or I didn't sign up. I didn't sign up to get Parkinson's disease. I didn't. And the subtext is who said we're entitled to anything? It's a gift from the time we open our eyes. There's a lot of things we have in common. I want to start off by, I, I, I think that looking at the glass half full, I think part of that is the ability to reframe things. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit about, and I think this is an incredibly important life lesson. Every single person listening to the show has had curveballs, has had disappointments, has had failure. And when the proverbial feces hits the fan, the one thing we do have control over is our attitude and the way we look at things. Can you, I, I love the way you, um, what, I, what I sort of uh, took off the internet and the way you, you, you sort of open your first semesters to your students is I think so apropos. Do you mind uh, sharing this a little bit with our listeners? With pleasure. Um, the concept of reframing is, without any question, in my humble opinion, the most profound and the most important character attribute that a human being can absorb. When I was in graduate school, a professor said to me, I should read a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl. And I read Viktor Frankl's book, and it was as if I had walked into a brick wall. It shocked me so much. Because this man who was interned in the concentration camps, and while things were done to him that we don't speak about, he said, they can hurt my body, but they can't hurt me. Yep. And in that moment, he defined the word choice. Yep. Everything that happens to me happens and gives me a choice. If I don't like it, I can change it. And if I can't change it, I better change myself. Just repeat that. That's great. If, if you can't change the situation, change yourself. You see, one, one of my mentors, um, wrote a number of incredible books, Wayne Dyer. Yep. And Wayne, in the last books that he wrote before he died, he wrote a book called The Power of Intention. Yep, I'm a big fan, by the way. And he said something, and I was watching, and it went in, and it shocked me. 
And he said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. His classic way, and, and, and it's, um, it's so true because I think people get uh, almost get pissed off with life. Like, why didn't it go that way? And instead of accepting reality and now recalibrating, they'll wallow in bitterness and saying, how, how has it ever helped someone by saying, why me? And throw a pity party. The why me and self-pity, are they come from the same bolt of cloth. A man gets run over by a car and they take him to the hospital and he's in the ambulance. And he says, why me, God, why me? And they put him in the hospital and he comes out and they're wheeling him down and the orderly lets the chair go and he goes down 30 stairs and he breaks two legs. And he says, why me, God, why me? And all of a sudden the clouds part and the voice says, there's something about you that just pisses me off. <laughs> If you walk around in life believing that, then life is going to be full of disappointment. Yep, yep. But for me, I wake up every morning and I express gratitude because I just turned 75. I don't have as many breaths left as you do, mm -hmm. and I have no intention of wasting any of them. So my first choice is to express gratitude for being alive. The last thing I do before I go to sleep is to write three things that happened during that day that I'm grateful for. And then I ask myself the same question every night. Well, Errol, by what you did today, do you deserve to have another tomorrow? That is unbelievable. So you, keep, uh, you have a gratitude journal, if you will. H how long have you been doing this? 30 years. I'm not sure if you are. I'm sure you are aware that this is one of the pieces of advice that uh, the leading self-help folks are talking about is that a person who is looking for the things that we should have a debt of gratitude to, by definition, you cannot be a bitter person. You're always looking for the, you know, you're always looking to make the lemonade. You're always looking, there's so many other people that don't have the ability to sit in a free country and have a conversation with a buddy with a microphone in front of you. So if I may share a story with you, which Please. I think is very apropos. A student came to me and he said to me after the students had left, you really bother me. And I said, okay, why do I bother you? He said, your overarching religiosity is sickening. <laughs> so I said, wow, <laughs> what religion am I? He said, well, that's obvious. You're a born again Christian. <laughs> And I said, well, that's interesting. I'm sure my rabbi would probably disagree with you, but <laughs> let's just say that we're, we're okay. He said, well, you're always talking about gratitude and always talking about that gratitude and happiness come from the same bolt of cloth. And I said, yes, I do. He said, well, I'm grateful to nobody for anything. And I said, your parents for bearing you. He said, I'm an accident of a sperm and an egg. Jeez. I said, okay. What's Your teachers in school, he said they were paid by property tax. I said, how about me for teaching you? He said, you get paid here at Art Center. I don't owe you anything. I said, okay. I said, may I ask you at your house, do you have a good bed? He said, well, how would I know? I said, well, if you have a bad bed, then you'd wake up and your back would be sore. Oh my. And then you'd go to school the next day and you'd tell everybody. He said, I guess you're right. I have a good bed. I said, do me a favor, tomorrow morning when you get up, 
I want you to turn to your bed and say, thank you for giving me a good night's rest. And he waved at me with just one finger and walked out. He came back two weeks later to tell me that I had caused significant difficulty in his life. Difficulty. Because he woke up every morning and I jumped in his head and he said, I'm not going to say it. But on a Sunday morning, his girlfriend was in the shower and he decided to clean his room and he made the bed and I jumped in his head and he thought, what the hell? And he said, thank you for giving me a good night's rest. And she walked in the room and she said, who are you talking to? Wow. And he said, I'm not talking to anybody. She said, excuse me, who are you talking to? And I explained to her the story. And he says, she burst into tears and said to me, I wish you would express gratitude to me because I've been with you for eight years. I said, what happened then? He said, you already know. I said, yeah, I do know. You started crying. And the two of you had a conversation like you've never had in your life. He said, you're right. He said, that was the first day I ever felt anything. They're no. still married. He still writes to me. And he ends the, the email with the following. I'm not an atheist anymore. I'm an agnostic. I guess there's room for growth. Wow. Errol, you, you, <clears throat> you, you touch people's hearts and souls because you, de you, you care. I want to touch on something that has been a theme of some of the shows that we've done. And the proliferation of technology, social media, has meant that for many people, reputation and the way they're perceived is a lot more important than their true character. So I'm going to quote one of the people that you cite, John Wooden, legendary UCLA uh, basketball coach, and he said, and it's unbelievably on point, reputation is how you are perceived to be and character is what you really are. So on Instagram, you can be seen with your arm around this person and you can be a mean, narcissistic megalomaniac. And that's all about being a mile wide and a half inch thick. That's what concerns me is that when you drill down, because we represent these people, I'm around these people, and some are incredibly wonderful, deep, real people of substance. <clears throat> but there are many, sadly, uh, that feel that the world owes them. And it's one of the messages or one of the, uh, certainly one of the, a piece of the tool that I want to impart to our listeners is <clears throat> is people of substance, people recognize people of substance, authentic, genuine, caring. But the world at large is not going to give a standing ovation uh, for a person that's a good listener or a person that's selfless or a person that says thank you. But the world at large will will laud someone who gets uh, 7 million followers for eating uh, cookies or jump, bungee jumping off. It's crazy. That's the rep, that, that in, in, in a way I feel for this generation because that's how they're growing up and that's, that's become a yardstick for success. And, and people like yourself, I, 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 I think that I wish there were more people like you in academic institutions because you, you are teaching the real, the, the tools for real meaningful life. Yeah. I mean, Anthony, your show is the GPS for life. You know, it's genuine persistence for success. 
You know, I always tell my students. GPS, genuine persistence for success. Great, that. That's that's what you're doing. You, you you're giving people an understanding that every morning, the world gives you eighty six thousand four hundred. Those are the number of seconds in a day. Eighty six thousand four hundred seconds. And now, how are you going to use them? How are you going to use them? Because by this time tomorrow, they're gone. You can't use them again. So I tell people. It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Because at the end of the day, it's what comes from your heart, from gratitude, that is the way people remember you. Not how many likes you got on Instagram or how many, how many pieces of blush you sold because you have a very famous father. I, I think for this generation, honestly, I think that I'm deeply concerned yep. about what's going to happen one day when they wake up and go, none of this is real. It's just an illusion. You see, the smart thing is that you, you, you're walking down the street and you see a blind man selling shoelaces, two for a dollar. Put the dollar down, but don't take the laces. That's genuine kindness. That's beautiful, by the way. That's genuine kindness. You know, every single day is a gift. That's why we call it the present. And if you look at it that way, how is it possible? I wake up in the morning, I look at the picture of my four grandchildren. I can only have a good day. It's not possible. And yet, I know you well enough to know you've had doors slammed, you've had bumps in the road, you've had curveballs. How do you... How do you uh, deal with the the times where, quote-unquote, life doesn't seem to be going according to the script in your head? You've got a fabulous attitude. And by the way, you personify why, I start, why we launched the show. Because you know what I do, and I'm, I'm around a lot of people, and I speak a lot, and I see that there are millions of people ascending up a ladder that for sure is leaning against the wrong wall. And, you know, we live in a city, I've said this many times before, where people uh, spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. But at some point, isn't there, isn't there a shocking reality of, you know, what, what, what about my internal world? What, what, what are my values? What are my priorities? Who am I trying to impress? You're trying to impress someone else because if you were to take the time to introspectively worry about impressing yourself, the behaviors that you make externally would change. You know, at the end of the day, somebody asked me, what, what, what do you want on your, on your epitaph? What, what yep, do you want yep, them to yep. write? And I said, that's very easy. I want them to write, I cared. That's all. Because everything that I'm doing today is my way of saying thank you for all the kindness that was given to me when I came to this country with a small suitcase and $200 and slept in a tiny room in the janitor's room at a, at a college because I had no money for rent. And so today, thank God I'm able to provide for my family and provide that they will, my kids will, grandkids will go to college and grow up and be decent people. How can I not say thank you? How can I not give back? 
I'll tell you how. Because you live in a, uh, a world where I walked into an office of a prominent person once and I saw a poster of um, four cows at the intersection of sort of a, a, a – there was a fence with four fields and each cow – had their head through the the fence and was eating the 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 grass of the, the the field next to them. The grass is always green and meaning. You could say, Anthony, I'm 75 years old. I know guys my age on the Forbes list. I know guys my age who've got trophy wives. You could you could play that game. And you know, roommate could have would have should have and obviously uh, be bitter and not be better, which is clearly who you are. I saw this piece, and this is uh, this is one of the most powerful things I've read, and I've read a lot in my life, and I want to share it with our listeners, and that is there are two kinds of people in the world, <clears throat> either people who make, m- make lemonade, make greatness, ma- uh, make every moment special, or they make excuses. Here's what I'm pulling from something which is attributed to the lessons that you impart. <clears throat> the, the the most noxious thing um, which is credited to you is, is making excuses. I'm just going to quote. It's an attempt to, to lessen the blame or to defend and justify an action, and it is just well-rehearsed lie. That's all it is. Just BS. Yeah. To stop. To how do you stop uh, the behavior of excuses? which seems to be ubiquitous in this culture, we need first to understand why we make excuses, which is brutally, brutally honest introspection and soul-searching. And and excuses are, as you continue to say, are rationalizations we make about people and events, except that they are opposite to the acceptance of responsibility. If If you... want to deny responsibility, it's easy to make an excuse. And this is where I want to share with our listeners. An excuse um, cannot possibly be positive, goal-oriented behavior. Nope. So how do we change the behavior? Here's the 10 Errol Gerson. I think uh, these are absolute gems. Number one, compare yourself to who you were yesterday. There's a common salutation in old Yiddish, when two people meet each other, where a person says in Yiddish, Vos macht a Yid. What are you making of yourself? If you were the same person as yesterday, you are a victim of gravity. Number two, fear is just false evidence that appears real, which we were discussing. Number three, become aware of excuses. Wear a rubber band around your wrist. Do something so that you stop through behavior modification, stop the old modality of making excuses. Uh, four, responsibility is just uh, two words, response and ability. The ability to choose a response. It's fantastic. It's always a choice. So attitude, you're, you're, the way you, res- you, we are not in control of what happens to us, but we absolutely are in control as to how we respond. A hundred percent. Number five, this is great, Errol. Number five, uh, take small changes Step steady, meaning you. If you want to swing for the for the fences, clearly you're going to set yourself up for failure. Number six, mistake or your mentor. Don't make the same one twice. That's fantastic, which is the most teachable tool. Number seven, weaknesses are strengths in disguise. So much of this material we've been through in different 
shows in different iterations. Eight, have a gratitude attitude. Beautiful. Number nine, push past your discomfort, which is the same as no one has ever achieved greatness by being comfortable. You can never be comfortable and achieve greatness because by definition, pain is the price that one is going to pay for greatness. Bob Dylan said, if you're not busy being born, you're busy dying. Beautiful. Number 10, the path to change is from knowing your imperfections. Remember to be nice to the people on the way up. You'll meet them on the way down. This is beautiful. If more universities could teach these tools for life, I think I think that people would have would be focused more on character than on uh, the end result and one-upping each other. You know, my students call my class business church. That's beautiful. Because they understand that interspersed with everything I teach about entrepreneurship and SWOT analysis and critical thinking, I'm always throwing in these little tidbits that force them to think about who they are. Two students came to me, they'd had an argument. Yep. I explained to them. Two men were walking down the street having a very good conversation. Yep. An old lady was going to cross the street. So the one gentleman helped her, and then he came back to his friend. And his friend said to him, why'd you help her cross the street? And the other man said, why are we still talking about this? That's beautiful. When we do things that are good, when nobody's looking, that's true justice. You know, the Hebrew word for, for, for charity is justice. For sure. So that's, that's what we're doing. We're doing justice. Helping someone is justice. You can't walk past somebody in need and, and simply go, not me. As you speak, I'm thinking, why why isn't a lot of this content not memorialized in a syllabus that's disseminated on a higher level? I mean, Errol, I was blessed, to, you know, I went to Harvard, I was in law school, just was an executive program in the, in the Harvard Business School. I am deeply, deeply grateful for the education I got. I'm deeply grateful. But I, if I take a step back, I think there were, it was tremendously intellectually taxing, wonderful uh, understanding in of different nuances and disciplines, but I'm, I'm not convinced they were teaching wisdom or life lessons. I completely agree with you because it's a subject that is so ephemeral yep. that I think many, many teachers are afraid to go near it. And for me, it's the exact opposite. It attracts me. The fact that it is ephemeral is, is what attracts me because at the end of the day, I tell my students, on the, on the last night of class, I have two wishes for you. Yep. I wish you challenge, and I wish you adversity. And that's ex- that, that must be a shock to them, because you're supposed to wish them success and money and, and fame. And-, and then I always get an email years later. Yeah, I got it, because once we can push past both of those, the success that we're looking for, will be there because we did the hard work. This generation, for some reason, what they call millennials, have a very short-term view of the world. Yeah, it's, I want yeah. it in two or three or four years. I'm not judging them. I'm not blaming them. I'm trying to understand them. 
because this view that they have, it came from somewhere. And I'm wondering if perhaps the education system that we've embraced is partly responsible for this reaction that millennials have. It's interesting. We, I've had this discussion. I was on a panel recently which spoke about what um, what characters, behaviors are we teaching by certain uh, technological advances, instantaneous gratification, you press a button and immediately um, there's robotic things that are done for you and everything. It, it, by definition, what that sort of an subconsciously inculcates into uh, the generation that you know, a relationship can be the touch of the button. If it's if it gets a little bit uncomfortable, then you just find another one. It's dangerous. You can sit at home. You can get your pizza delivered. Yeah. You can get your Purell delivered at four times the price, <laughs> and you can get God delivered. But what you can't get is commonance. What you can't get is that relationship that only comes when you're with other people and when you're willing to be, as Dr. Brene Brown says, vulnerable. When you're willing to be vulnerable, the world changes for you. It's a good, as we, you know, sort of the the, the final um, sort of points before I ask you a qu two questions that I ask all the guests, and, and that is the last point that you made is so apropos and so on point is that I think that people would rather put on a superficial strong facade and be dying inside than to say, I need help. This is something, this is painful, this is hurts. And it's such a disservice at the end. The idea of being this machismo, this, why is it so taboo to be, uh, because I think it's a tremendous sign of strength to say, I messed up. If you look at the headlines of when people, when the public really scorned a situation, it wasn't, it wasn't the issue where there was there was a human fallibility. It was the lie. It's like I I, I, I dropped the ball. I remember when President Clinton yep. chose to apologize, and the response was that his his favorability rating skyrocketed because human beings. When someone is willing to say, I'm sorry, yep. I messed up, yep. I believe there's room in everyone's heart for forgiveness. 100%. So I, I, I could speak to you <laughs> for, for a long, long time just because it's a Friday afternoon and because of the Sabbath and me having the restrictions. Here's the question that I, 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 which would be very telling that I, I try and use as a wrap-up. If you could choose anyone in the world – dead or alive, uh, to spend, uh, have a cup of coffee with and ask them anything. Who who would that person be? It could be a, a real figure, a biblical figure. I think it's, I think that it's very telling to the listener to get a sense of who, who you would want to, and it's, I don't want to put you on the spot if it's if. With pleasure. The answer is easy. <clears throat> the answer is Nelson Mandela. Interesting. When I read his book, it was an epiphany that a man who was put through such incredulous torture over two decades, over two decades, who lived in a cell that would have driven any human being insane, 
when he gra- when he was finally released and became the president of South Africa, the first man he invited was his warder at the jail. Isn't that unbelievable, hey? That level of... No bitterness. No bitterness. If I could come within a million miles of that, I would consider that to be one of the great accomplishments of my life. When I go to sleep at night, I say certain things, and one of them I say is that I forgive every person for anything they did today, whether it was by choice, by action, by fault or default, I forgive you. So the listeners don't know you as well as I do, and I'm not going to peel back the onion to the point where it would be inappropriate, but I can say the following. I know that there have been instances in your life where there's been... um, there's been situations which could have been pursued as a betrayal, a public embarrassment, a shaming, where if you were not the person that you are, uh, you would be justified in being bitter, in having resentment, and you haven't. And you've taken the high road and you've been bitter, better, not bitter. So I can say, Errol, as a friend, I don't think you're a million miles away. I think you've got a, it's an tremendous, tremendous trait. Um, and I guess the final wrap-up question is the following, is that assuming this is live-streamed to hundreds and hundreds of millions of people, and all, you could, all you're allowed to do is impart two tools of wisdom, two life lessons, two arrows that you would suggest that we all carry in our quiver in this journey called life, What would those pearls be? That's easy. I would go to a Barnes & Noble if they're still open. (laughs) And I would buy a beautiful writing book called a Moleskine. Yes. It's gorgeous and it's a book you'll never throw away. It's a spiral binder with a fur coat. And I would print on it my gratitude attitude book. And every night of my life, I would write down two or three things that I am grateful for just before I go to sleep. That's the first thing I would do. The second thing that I would do is I would become a mentor. I would choose to be a mentor to anybody in need because, Anthony, it is only for me at the end of my days, whenever those are, the greatest achievement I will have is are those who I may have helped along the way. Nothing else could be more important to me. So when I help somebody, I heal the world, one person at a time. I can't change the whole world, but I have the opportunity to meet a nine-year-old Hispanic girl last year Mm -hmm. in Pacoima. And I told her that gold lies in the streets. And by the end of the summer, she'd collected enough trash to sell for 43 bucks. And her mom took her to Walmart and she bought 60 bottles of water, which her mom put in the fridge. And then she went around the neighborhood where she lives and sold them for a dollar a bottle. And by the end of the summer, this little girl had $340 in the bank. Wow. That young girl is going to make a difference in the world. And she's going to change the world. And if I had an iota of influence on that, then that's the greatest gift I could ever have. 
So it's a good point to to let the curtain come down. And, and, and if you note, the common denominator between both of the pearls of wisdom is whether it's a gratitude attitude or whether it's giving over as a mentor. The theme is the most meaningful, happiest, fulfilled people in the world are not people that are taking, people that are giving. And I think the message to the, the large portion of our listeners is to question whether it's all about me or perhaps the true the, the true happiness and the internal peace of, of knowing that you touch someone and help make the world a better place will be ultimately um, the legacy that you, we all want to leave. And Errol, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Uh, I'm hoping that this is a particular episode that goes completely viral <laughs> because there's a lot of content that, that personifies what the show is about, resonates with me and God willing with all our listeners. I wish you continued success. And thank you so much for the privilege of being able to come and share some ideas with you. Thank you for that. Thanks, Errol. Pleasure. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.